welcome to Facing Cancer Together, a podcast of the cancer support community, Greater Philadelphia, with your hosts, CEO Kelly Harris and Rodney Warner. Thank you for joining us for Facing Cancer Together. Uh, this is uh, episode three, and I'm Rodney Warner. And I'm Kelly Harris. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome our guest today, Dr. Yvonne Kay. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning, Kelly. Yvonne, thanks so much for joining us. So I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about your background with caretaking and how you got started on that path. When I work with cancer patients in the group I do at Gilda's Club, the word is care sharers, not caregivers or caretakers. And I'll explain why. I'm my uh, John. I um, was a care sharer for 10 years. So he had three cancers. And the beauty of it was that we shared what was going on with each other. So we were abreast of each other. We knew what was going on. And sometimes with cancer patients, there's a lot of silence. They don't want to bother anybody. And the trouble also with care sharers is they think they have to be there 24-7. That's why Gilda is so important, incredibly important in people's lives. I started in 1974. And people often ask me, why do you do that? Because I work with, I volunteer at Gilda's, but I also am a thanatologist, which means I'm a grief specialist. And I work with mainly parents who've lost children to death, parents of murdered children, homicide, cancer, car accident, all kinds of different things. And people often ask me, why do I do that? It must be morbid. It's not morbid at all. Um, my background is I, I'm a child of war. During all that bombing or anything, as a child, I made a decision that I was going to do something that I saw happening in that war with incredible people who were helping. And so I've had this challenge when people don't quite understand that death and grief are not always the same thing. We can grieve a lot of things. Loss is a huge, huge thing. And the reason I do the group at Gilders Club, which is called Laughing When Nothing Seems Funny and When It Is, is because we don't use humor enough, which is one of the greatest healing tools imaginable. It's not laughing at, it's laughing with. Gilders creates an atmosphere there where people are safe. Because look, this is what happens when someone's diagnosed with cancer. Everybody knows what they should be doing. And that can be rather confusing, not to mention irritating. So when I work with care sharers, I encourage them to take care of themselves. And you do this by having people in your life who will come maybe and sit with whoever is in your life so you can get out for a bit. You create what I call a scream list, which is at least three people that you can phone anytime and just vent. All they're going to do is grunt at you. You know, like, mm hmm yeah, uh-huh, got it. Because what I've found in all these years I've been working in this field, people just want someone to listen to. No matter how they sound, they just want someone to listen. The most challenging aspect of care sharing is there isn't anything that one can change. The situation is right there before their eyes. So they do what they're best used to do. They're with people who encourage them to laugh with people, there's a funny side. I mean, listen, if you ever came to my group in Gilders Club, you would be amazed at how much laughter goes on there. And they tell me it's because they feel safe. We have care sharers in the group too, which is powerful. I'm a care sharer. I can share all my experiences with them. And I encourage them to reach out to other places and they're there for one another. And that's the glory of a support group. I believe thoroughly in support groups. And care sharers 
although they think they have to dedicate themselves 100%, can get help. So with that in mind, you can ask any questions you like. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time. There isn't anything really that I haven't encountered. Yvonne, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Rodney and I are both cancer survivors. And Rodney, I know for myself, uh, when I was actively in treatment, I often felt guilty with the people that were supporting me because, you know, on some level, while being sick certainly is a challenge, you know, the, the goal is to kind of take care of the patients. So I think Yvonne brings up a really great point. People who are the supporters, people who are the care sharers, really need to make sure they take care of themselves and not get burnout and not get depressed because I think that's very real. It is very real. I understand that guilt that you're talking about. Care sharers have that too sometimes if they feel they haven't done enough. And I hear what some of them are doing and I'm just amazed that they think there's something else more it's never enough and that's something they've really really got to understand when they say to themselves it's never enough if the only thing that I could give John was love and laughter and you know him you know how funny he was Kelly and when he was in hospice at home the nurses just loved him and uh, he whispered this is just before he went into a coma he said to me I think that little nurse is in love with me and of course, everybody roared. They thought that was very funny. And there was never, there was no stifling. You see, you can't stifle your emotions when you're care sharing. And if it's not appropriate with the person that you're sharing with, then find somebody else. You're not a burden. Could I say that again? You're not a burden. That's so hard for some people to get beyond. Oh, it really is. Well, that's what Gilders was for, to help in that area. See, the thing is, you know, I'm very, I'm very straightforward because I think that's the only way to go. I share my life experiences with people, if it will help them. But what I found is with care sharing, there's that oh, thing, for, for want of a better word, that makes them feel at times they're indomitable. And I say to them, you know, this is a control issue, don't you? And they look in amazement. They don't really like that because I'm calling them a controller and I said you're trying to control something you can't control and by doing that you're eliminating what you can do if you can't do something let it go but what can you do you can hold hands you can give kisses you can talk I mean my heart goes out at this point with people who are separated from their families due to the virus that must be absolute agony and so the people who are there have to develop this whole aspect of looking at life one day at a time and doing what you can do. I can't hammer that home enough. Concentrate on what you can do, not what you can't. You know, interestingly, one of the things we're hearing now in light of the COVID-19 pandemic is that some of the care sharers have been separated even at the point of treatment and appointment times. So yeah. they're not being able to have access to the information, which is so critical. You know, when people go to an appointment together or go to talk to a doctor together, there's so much value in talking together with the healthcare professionals because it's two sets of ears hearing the information. And now some people are saying, I'm having to go back by myself to talk to the doctor 
and it's it's causing a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, actually, last night, my cousin, Dr. Michael Kay, he had a physician, a guest on, who talked about this very thing. So if people ever want to pull that up and look at it, it was, in, it was incredibly good. And that, again, is a situation, are you going to really concentrate on that all the time, or are you going to do what you can do? And I know it sounds very blunt, but if you really look at it in reality, that's it. And look, I have days. I don't want people to think I'm up and cheerful all the time. I have days. I have days when I miss the people in my life I've lost to cancer. And then I pick up the phone to somebody. And that's the thing with care sharers. They don't trust that. I've given my phone number. In fact, my friend the other day said, have you written it on the bathroom walls yet? Because <laughs> I give my phone number. Do you think anyone calls? Two people have called. It's not therapy. It's just someone at the end of the phone who gets it and is listening. If you ask most people, that's what they want. Want someone who's not going to tell them what to do because unwanted advice in this situation is horrendously horrible. But they're just going to say, yes, I, I understand and tell me more. Or do you have any questions? Whatever. And that, that word, you hit the nail right on the head, both sides, guilt. That's what it is, guilt. Because they don't want to take up people's time and they, oh, the other word in my vocabulary is should. They should be able to do all these things. Well, that's impossible. You know, we have a lot of fun in that Gilders group. You ought to come and sit in one day, Kelly. It's absolutely amazing. You know, they tell chemo jokes. I mean, these people, there are some two people in there that it's the last stage and they know it. And still, they're funny. But we have the, they have the opportunity to talk about things that are concerning him, that are frightening them, or their feelings of hopelessness, powerlessness. It doesn't come up very often. Because they're looking at this healing part. Look, laughter re releases the endorphins in the brain. That's scientifically proven. And don't be an extremist. That's what I say to kids. Don't be an extremist. You don't do this or that. It's a combination of a lot of things. Um, there's a woman who was in Gilda's Club once. I can't remember her name. But when she was diagnosed with cancer, her sister told her what she should do right from the start. Don't listen to the doctors. This is what you have to do. And I want you to try this, go there. Until the woman was like beside herself. So she was in my group and she was very, very upset and angry. And I said to her, why don't you shrink her? And she said, what? And I said, shrink her. Make her very, very tiny. So her voice goes like that. Can't even hear. And then put her in your pocket. Well, she didn't do that. She shrunk her and threw her on the floor and stomped around the floor. And everyone was in absolute hysteric. But she felt so much better. Because by doing that, and by talking to people who get it, it empowers you. You have cancer. It empowers you. Look, let's be realistic. In this virus, people are dying. With illness, people die. In the war, people die. It's inevitable. However, concentrating only on that is not going to help you as a care share. It's just not. Well, and I, I think that you, you bring up something else, that as mental health care professionals, that do the work that we do, it's so critical to provide a safe place for people who are care sharers to say, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, mm -hmm. I don't like doing this. It's okay to say that, that's only yes. human. Yes, and is. I think, you know, we hold care sharers to such a high standard that it's almost impossible for them to meet those expectations on a regular basis. You know, I think that it needs to be okay for them to say, you know, I need to, go home and just watch a movie. I need to just have time by myself. I need to get a massage or a manicure. 
mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah. just be able to do some self self care taking. We have men in the group. We have three men who are care sharers, and they are amazing. What they contribute is just absolutely amazing. Let me tell you this: I've been a to the Compassionate Friends, which is an organization for families who've lost a child to death since 1982. And this is what the men say to me. They say, people phone and they say, how's she doing? How is she doing? Nobody ever asks the man. They don't ask about the father. And this comes up constantly. Is this a sexist problem? I really don't know. But we have to be aware man or woman in terms of care sharing we have to be open to receive them and deal with their guilt you know what our culture talks about men they still do oh you're so strong well strong means you don't need anything and that's nonsense so it's very encouraging when another man comes in whether he's got cancer where he's a care sharer to see other men there who are vocal they don't just sit there they're vocal and they contribute and that's what I think is, is enormously important because they can call another care share and say, you know what, I've just had it, I'm climbing the walls. And what, that works. Yeah. What, what do you think about, so, you know, the other thing that we hear sometimes is that sometimes people view this as more natural for women to do. So when you talk about men, what do you say to men who say, well, you know, I'm not good at that or... That's something that women are better at. I think that's the kind of the flip side of that coin where we, we say that women are intrinsically better at care sharing, taking care of people, yeah. managing people in a family. And, and I think that that's a, a, a mis- misunderstanding. It's a cultural thing, unfortunately. There are still people who think that men shouldn't cry, which is absolute garbage. John cried. My sons cried. Why not? And that is the culture that says you should not do that. And my culture says cry. Go ahead. And if they tell me, well, you know, I'm a man and I... We really get into it there. I can't say here because it takes a while. But when I open up the possibility to them that, yes, you are allowed to grieve in any way you like, as long as you don't hurt yourself or anybody else, you are allowed to pick up the phone. In fact, I endorse that totally. We talk about that a lot. And it takes a while with men because they've been indoctrinated in this Western culture. Um, It's not easy to get through to them sometimes, especially my nationality with the stiff upper lip. But John, who was Royal Navy, he he could do that. And I feel that we need to start right now with parents who have boys. Start now and let them know it's all right. That's where I am with men and crying. What do you say when you look at the cancer continuum and the mental health support that we provide people? You know, sometimes what we see is kind of a hierarchy. So, you know, some people will come to us and say, well, you know, I have a child with cancer. That's worse than you having a parent with cancer or having cancer yourself or, you know, sometimes people put a hierarchy to loss and to taking care of people that I think puts undue stress on everyone. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what it does. And people who know me, who have been my patients for a long time know, I do not do comparisons. First of all, with grief, no two people grieve in the same way. I have to tell parents that. It looks as if he's doing it differently and you're doing it differently. Stop comparing. You've lost something precious. 
And I say it the same to cancer patients and their care sharers. Stop the comparisons. First of all, people love to assume. And they assume things without knowing the background of any. When I say to people sometimes, look, I have days. They look at me in astonishment, like I'm not supposed to have days. I have days. And I give them things to do that I do that have helped me and that they can either do them or not. It's entirely up to them. But I believe that any of us who've lived through this care sharing for a very, very long time need to be able to say, this is what I do. Now, it helped me. I'm just offering it. Pick up the phone. You had a scream. It's my younger daughter has been a care share of her special needs son for 27 years. And she just amazes me. The thing about her is she has a great sense of humor. She has that with her siblings. But she also has a strong body of wonderful women friends who are there for her. They do drive-bys, you know, they, they talk, they, whatever it is that she needs, that's what they provide. So she's at home with him. Her daughter works from home now. Uh, 24-7. It's a very serious situation, what he has. He has tuberous sclerosis, which is a horror thing. She's there. So I have guidance from her. The thing is, and I know it sounds rather benign, but stop judging yourself. Stop judging other people. Know that people are doing their best, and if you think they're not, offer some suggestions. Don't tell them they're wrong. Just say, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Not, you should do this. That's a totally different element. Should and shouldn't is not in my vocabulary. So if, is. if we were to ask you, what would be some basic things that care sharers and caretakers, however they identify themselves, could do, can do, uh, to take care of themselves, what, w- what would be some things you'd recommend? I would definitely recommend that they create a relationship with whoever their beloved is and give them the freedom to talk about whatever they want. In addition to that, they need to look up their friends, find a support group. I don't care what it is. It could be the Compassionate Friends and certainly a ton of stuff that comes out of Gilda's Club. And also to deal with their own self-respect and self-esteem, which means if you want to ask the medical profession question, ask, write them down so that you've got them. Because people often say, I wish I'd said that and I wish I'd asked this. Well, you know, wishing gets you nowhere. So it's very, very important that they, for example, let's say they're talking about something they and their beloved share, the love of music, any music, whatever it is, play it. Reading, they can read to one another or be read to. Ask someone who you trust to come and sit there. And I'm talking about that level of hospice now. To sit there so you go out for a walk. These sound like infinitesimal things, but they're very, very, very real. If there's a favorite place, my favorite place is Peace Valley Park. I used to drive there, and uh, John and I would go there a lot, and some of his ashes are there. Get the favorite things together, and don't act as if they're over. Just be there. Actually, just to sum it up, is be there. And shut the door for someone's society. So even taking taking satisfaction and joy in the small steps and enjoying the little things you can do to support yourself. Because life is made up of little things. There isn't one big thing. And the thing is to, when I talked about self-esteem, it means that they have the right. They have the right to include other people in their lives to ease the burden. Watching someone you love deteriorate is very, very painful. It doesn't have to be if you know and they know that they're loved. 
People often say, oh, come on, that's not enough. Believe me, that's what sustained John. No question about it. That and laugh. People really, really underestimate that, Kelly, the power of humour, because they think of telling jokes. Although one of our members, Sam, tells awful jokes all the time. <laughs> but that's the whole point. It's not jokes. Humour and laughter to me is an inner spirit. It's the soul. And people need to let it out. They don't. They're afraid that I might say the wrong thing. Well, you know what? It's so easy to say I'm sorry if you say the wrong But do it anyway. Great it's point. so powerful. You know, there's an old saying uh, in my mental health training. I remember a saying that is really true. You know, sometimes people say, don't just stand there, do something. Really what it needs to be is don't just do something, stand there. There you go. Is that not accurate? Great advice. It really is. So understand. I think this is what care sharers really need to understand. This is what I talk with about a lot. Life is a roller coaster. If you expect that you've done something, everything's going to be fine, which is another word that's not in my vocabulary. You're wrong. There are days when you're going to feel really at peace and enjoy and laugh, and there are days where you're going to be in gloom. You don't have to stay there, but don't deny that it's there. You know, there's a lot of this snap out of it attitude in this country get over it really most people who say that have not been through what these people are going through they don't know there's a woman in the compassionate friends i've known for years and for years she's been saying to me yvonne i want you to write just a little book on what not to say and i'm thinking about that for cancer patients too don't own it my cancer do not own it it's the cancer not mine and i think people just take that challenge and they do it in a negative way that just depletes their energy. There's this other old saying, which I'm probably going to say, completely wrong. Don't worry about yesterday, it's gone. Don't worry about tomorrow, it's not here. Be in the present. That's what they call the present, a gift. Stay in the moment. And I know that people who are distressed, especially separation at this time, need to reach out as much as they can. The self-esteem comes in where you call someone and they say, I can't talk right now, but I'll call you back. Don't take offense at that. People are doing stuff. And if it's a good friend, they're going to call you back. Be opening. I had to open my heart to the fact that I could not do everything I would like to have done with John, specifically to make that cancer go away. All three of them. I knew I couldn't do that. My brain told me I couldn't do that. My heart told me, of course you can. No, what I looked at, what I could do. And my family were very, very supportive with that too. They'd come and talk with him and listen to his stories of being in the Royal Navy and his travels, all that kind of thing. Because I really believe without doubt, any cancer patient, at least that I've ever met, is want to be able to talk and someone to listen. And that goes for care sharers too. Great advice. Great advice. Rodney, yes. how are we doing? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that got me through cancer is just... It's just focusing on getting through the day. And I think that's, that's very powerful advice for if you're going through cancer or you're, you're stuck at home because of this coronavirus and you don't know when you're going to get out. But that's, we just need to focus on today and the best of today. And I, I want to uh, thank uh, Dr. K for uh, coming this morning and for this wonderful information and advice that you have. And just thank you very much. And Thank you. Oh, thank you. Kelly, thank for you for too. inviting me. Thank you. <laughs> it was lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And, okay. And, 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 uh, and that's it for, for this episode of Facing Cancer Together.
We greatly appreciate uh, your time in listening to us. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about us. And until next time, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Facing Cancer Together. Please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more about the organization, our website is cancersupportcommunity.org.